Welcome to Shedding Light Hunting Stories Podcast, the podcast dedicated to the average Joe and their hunting stories. I'm your host, Travis Williams, and you're listening to episode 34. often want it so badly that we ruin it before it begins. Overthinking, fantasizing, imagining, expecting, worrying, doubting. Just let it naturally evolve. I got that meme sent to me from uh, our most recent guest that you're going to hear today, Brandon Monday, uh, after talking to me on the podcast. And I don't know if he sensed in me this uh, a little bit of nervousness or maybe worrying a little bit or overanalyzing uh, what I was going to do on my hunt that's coming up here in, in about five days. Um, but I really appreciated that. We often want it so badly that we ruin it before it begins. And I think if you're like me, um, I've been planning this trip for, for three years. Um, actually, probably longer, to be honest. Uh, the trip that I went on in 2016 wasn't quite the trip that I had hoped for it to be. And and this trip that's coming up is just, uh, I want to hear that elk bugle. And I, and I, I want to have that opportunity. And I can sometimes just get so caught up in, in my plans. And we've changed our plans 15 times. And I get caught up in the what ifs. Like, what if, you know, we drive to a, the, the spot where we think it's going to be real good and there's like 20 trucks there? What if it's super hot and uh, the elk are up high? What if, and, and I could just go through a thousand things right now that I could tell you that go through my mind. But maybe we should just go hunt and see what happens. And that's the whole point of hunting, right? Getting out into the woods and just experiencing it. And so really appreciated uh, the guest. Uh, Brandon Monday is our guest today. Found him on Elk Addicts. He is great at kind of sharing uh, videos of how to call and just different strategies. And just I uh, really like his personality. He's kind of a laid back guy and uh, he has some good stories to share with you today. So I hope that you really enjoy this. But I, I want to challenge you today to think about that too. You know, um, if you're not an elk hunter, I'm sure that maybe you're thinking about deer hunting or muleys or, or whatever, duck hunting. And sometimes we can just get, you know, analysis paralysis or, or we think so much and we get so bogged down in worrying about things. And, um, you know, I think that just let things naturally evolve. Learn how to go out and, and enjoy it. And that's what it's about anyway. So I am excited about my hunt. That is in five days. I leave this coming Sunday and head to Colorado. And I am excited about our plan. I am excited about where we're going and how it's all going to play out. I will be hunting with a bow. It is a draw unit. And um, it's not like a crazy draw unit, like a lot of points or whatever. Um, but it, it's a great spot, I think, to hunt. And I'm excited to go there. And, and I will be sharing next week with you. We'll be on the road. So if you want to tune back in, if you want to follow on Instagram, just follow Shedding Light Outdoors on Instagram. And we'll probably be doing some stories and some stuff like that as we get service. I know where we're camping at. Um, uh, or the cabins that we're staying at is our base camp. There is Wi-Fi there. So hopefully be able to update you a little bit. And... Um, yeah, I'm pumped, excited, and trying to not let it get to me and just enjoy time with my family and, and get my work done this week. So anyway, we're going to jump in. I'm going to give you the quick plug, plug that is. Uh, go ahead and hit subscribe if you would. Uh, that way you don't miss any. Hit the five-star review, leave a review, tell your buddies, tell your friends. If you want to come on the show or you have any suggestions, comments, or snide remarks, leave me an email at sheddinglightod at gmail.com. There you go. End of plug. Uh, we're going to jump into this interview with Brandon Monday. I know you guys are going to enjoy this one. All right. 
guys coming at you from Colorado is Brandon Monday. Uh, met this guy online on uh, Elk Addicts. Uh, Brandon was giving some calling tips. And really, I was just really impressed with some of the stuff. Uh, he's putting some stuff out there that I'd never really seen before. And um, just some good tips. So, Brandon, thanks for coming on the show, man. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself, a little background, and uh, kind of what you do and, and how life is there in Colorado. Okay. Um, yeah, my name is Brandon Monday. I uh, grew up in, in Colorado, in Denver until I was 12. Then we moved up in the mountains. And... Uh, that's when I started elk hunting. Shot my first elk when I was 12, a cow. Oh, wow. And uh, it all started from there. Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So growing up in that, um, you know, I think that's probably why you're, you're such a good caller is you've had a lot of experience. So was your family big into hunting or is that something uh, that you kind of picked up later on? Um, my family wasn't big into hunting. My uncle was, and he'd actually lived up in the mountains here. Um, so... My dad didn't really ever hunt. He kind of went out a couple years with us. And then my uncle kind of took over and I hunted with him for a little bit. But then mostly after that, it was just me. And my mom used to actually drop me off in the woods and pick me up at dark when I was well before I was supposed to be hunting alone. Man, uh, times have changed, man. (laughs) Yeah, you can't do that no more. And yeah. I just remember some of those times where I missed an elk or I almost shot one and I would have been completely screwed if I would have got one. <laughs> Your mom shows up and be like, hey, can you help me quarter an elk here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it sounds like your mom didn't have much faith that you would get anything. Uh, she did. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It was just awesome having her there to take me out, you know, Yeah. and uh, be along. Cool. And then so, I got my brothers into hunting with me right after that, and then we all just kind of started bow hunting and hunting a lot together. Awesome. And, mm-hmm. So what do you what do you do now? Are you in school? Do you work for a living? What's uh, what do you do for work for a living? Um, since I moved back to Colorado, um, I've been drywalling. Oh, okay. For a company up in the mountains, Mountaintop Drywall. Um, been doing that just. For the past two years ish okay mm-hmm. so that gives you you you're able to sneak in some hunts here and there when you're not working oh yeah the boss knows i i was looking for a job when i found this one when hunting season starts so <laughs> i'll awesome. uh i'll take off work whenever mm-hmm. i need to great well, let's, let's dive in here a little bit to elk hunting. Anybody that's listening to this, uh, you're either getting ready to go elk hunting or maybe you're already elk hunting. Um, and so uh, probably whenever I release this, I will be pretty close to your state, and I cannot wait to get there. Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's about a 22-hour drive from here, but I, I, I'm, I'm pumped to, to get rolling. So, Brandon, let's, let's jump in uh, to maybe some of your stories that you have on elk. Um, if you want to go back to the beginning, maybe talk a little bit about that first, uh, first bull, uh, that you got, or maybe even that first cow, you know, any of those kind of stories, just how, how did you find that first success? The first success, well, I, when I was 12, I shot that cow. We ended up going on a, uh, this ranch and, uh, they had a bunch of elk on this ranch and, uh, there was a beef cow that actually got in with the elk and would run with the elk. And uh, it was about, it was January. This was a rancher's tag that I was lucky enough to get. And uh, this uh, six point bull actually ended up killing the beef cow for getting in its way. 
and it oh, man. pretty much gored it right up next to the fence. So we went up there and helped them cut up this uh, this beef cow, and uh, we were lucky enough to have the visual wildlife come out there, and they were either going to take the bull and put him down or just wait. And so they ended up giving me a cow tag for the ranch, and I ended up getting my first one. Oh, that's awesome. Did you use a rifle? Yes. Okay. With a rifle. Um, and that's where it all basically started. After yeah. that, I was hooked. Oh, yeah. It, we were out there, I mean, freezing cold temperatures, riding around on snowmobiles, setting up lines and doing all that kind of stuff. And uh, that's where it all started. Awesome. So uh, I know that you, since then, you pick up a bow. So how, how did that transition go? Did you rifle hunt for several years and then get into the bow? And how did the, the bow come into the picture there? I ended up when I was 16, I think it was either 15 or 16, I wanted to start bow hunting. I, I had taken out a couple of people. I already started elk calling. And so I, I would go out there during bow season and call for them, not knowing what I was doing. Just go out there, make some noises, and elk would talk back to me. Oh, that's cool, you know. So I ended up going to the shop and buying a bow. I didn't take my first elk until three years later mm. when I was, uh, I think I was 19. So I was 16 when I started. And uh, on this particular year, um, my brother had already killed that big one the year before. And so I had a lot riding on me in a way, you know, brotherly rivalry. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a big 330 inch bull on the wall. And I, oh, wow. did you, I'm did still... you call that one in for him or anything? Yes, no, I called that one in for him that day. And uh, the crazy part is I almost shot a 5x5 five five right before that. Oh. And uh, for whatever reason, it didn't work out. And I, I ended up looking up on the hill and seeing this big old bull pushing these cows. And I'm like, I can't shoot this bull. <laughs> yeah. So we get up in there. And uh, as I'm calling for him, we actually end up spooking the elk's cows back down the hill. And he doesn't know it. He's off down the hill screaming on the other side. And we spooked his cows the other way. So he didn't know what happened. And uh, so he came back over the hill about 200 yards in front of us. Didn't want anything to do with us. And went down. There was three other bulls bugling in the basin. And he went to every single one. And it was like right when he got to that bull, they shut up. And then the next one. And then he screamed probably 50 times. Finally, when he made it back to us, I bugled once. And uh, all of a sudden, he's there, and he's running, and he's basically on a full sprint trot, and he has his head sideways, and he's screaming as he runs up to my brother. And I'd already ran back 40 yards to start calling, but he beat me. And so my little brother's sitting there, and he cow calls to stop him. And I'm like, shoot, shoot, what are you doing? Shoot. He's like eight yards from you. Shoot. And... Nothing happened. So all of a sudden, I'm sitting there, and I grab my bugle, and I scream at him, and he screams right back, and he walks two more steps, and I hear a cow call, and then a thump, and the bull trots up the hill and just is standing there. And I'm like, oh, God, he missed. This is first year bow hunting. He just missed. And uh, then all of a sudden, the bull kind of waddles a little bit, like he's 
acting funny and just walks off. And uh, my little brother, he walks up to me and I'm like, no, 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 no. You got to stay right where you shot. So we know where you shot. And he couldn't even breathe. He was sitting there hyperventilating. He couldn't, <laughs> like he was shaking uncontrollably. And uh, I basically had to hold him back from going and looking for blood right away, make him eat. And then, so we start trailing this bull and we end up finding him and we walk up to him. And I just remember walking up to him and grabbing that antler and looking at the antler and then looking at him. And basically for like 10 minutes after that, we had a cheering match of just <laughs> jumping up and down. We were freaking out. Oh man. It that was, is, that's incredible. It was intense. Yeah. So then back to that this year, when I, when I actually killed my first elk, I, uh, with a bow, I had, uh, already wounded two that year. For whatever reason, I hit a little limb on the first bull and uh, shot it right into his shoulder. He lived. He was fine. We had seen him later, but he, he looked a little sore. And then I had shot another one that actually ended up moving on me. And this was, uh, this whole season, I hunted the whole season this year. I, I had every day there. And uh, then on the very last day, I uh, ended up going up in there with my little brother, Bobby, and we get up on this spot and we woke up late and we get up in there and I'm sitting there calling for him and I look down and there's, oh, there's a bull stand there. Oh, cool. So I draw my bow back, he walks out and as I go to shoot, he turns and he's 40 yards away and he turns and he looks right at me after the arrow went off. So all of a sudden, I'm thinking, oh, great, I just wounded another elk. Like thinking, this is the worst thing that could ever happen. I'm not even bow hunting next year in my head. And uh, where the arrow went in was right on his neck and came out the opposite side shoulder. Hmm. So this elk runs 100 yards and falls over and dies. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And I was thinking that whole time, I'm going to spend another 12 hours on my hands and knees. This ain't good. And uh, it worked out. There he and is. He's a nice little five by six or six by six, I guess you could call it, with little, little, little six points, you know. But yeah, that was my first bull I killed. Oh man, what's what's the experience? I mean, for me, I like I said, if you listen to this at all, I, I haven't had a, that experience yet. I've seen elk for a split second on the mountain, so that experience of okay, you, you called one in for your brother, which is cool. But what's it like walking up on your first bull? On my first bull? Yeah. I walked down the hill about, I don't know, 20 minutes later, and I walked up, and he had barreled over a, a deadfall tree, and he broke a limb that was probably, I don't know, three inches on it, and right there, there was a big pile of blood, mm. and so I was like, oh, thank God, this is going to be awesome, you know? I, up until that, I was bummed, like, mm -hmm. thinking this is the worst thing, and then I literally take two steps around that log. And I look over and he's laying there dead. Oh, you did, okay. So you didn't see him go down then? No. Oh, no, okay. I thought you saw. Thick. No, it was too thick down the hill. Okay. In the trees. So and then, uh, like, relief as you get there. <laughs> yeah. Like, I was more like, holy crap. Yeah. I wasn't. I don't know what I was. I was just excited, but I was more relieved. Yeah. To have actually got one down 
to not have wounded another one. <laughs> yeah. Right. So yeah, no, it was, it was amazing. Yeah. Brandon, um, a little bit on just kind of like the way that you do things, just kind of give us a picture. Are you now, are you hunting over the counter kind of places or is this family like owned property or uh, how is this working for you to find like big bulls like this? Um, I've, uh, only shot one elk on private property and that was my first one. Oh, okay. So this all was... these, yeah, all these, uh, elk are over the counter tags, over the counter units in Colorado. Okay. And since then, I, I'm looking back on our messages. How many, I mean, you've, you've killed a lot of bulls since then too, and cows. Yeah. I've, every year it's almost been for cow. It's not every other year. Yeah. Um, and a lot of them, I worked harder for cows than I did that 400 inch bull. Really? Yeah. A lot of them. So if a guy wanted to go out there and kill a cow, um, mm-hmm. and, I, and I know we talk stories on this thing, but sometimes tactics are good too, which for a guy that's killed 16 cows is what I'm looking at here. What's your best strategy for doing that? Like maybe, maybe, maybe throw in a story of how that's worked for you, but how do you get those cows down? Cows? It's usually we later in the season. Okay. And, uh, around third rifle, fourth rifle, we always go out there and, uh, we set up on spots to where we can drive to the top and walk down. Mm-hmm. And it could be seven miles, could be 10 miles in between both points, but you park on the top and you walk down and, uh, and all these spots we've done enough times to where we'll hunt the same, uh, spot 10 days in a row or four days in a row, walking those walking down those and we'll cut a set of elk tracks and then we'll follow the elk tracks and and uh, there's one thing i can guarantee you with an elk and it happens every day it's the only thing i can ever guarantee it is that elk will lay down mm. and uh, as long as you get on those tracks and you follow them you're going to find them eventually sometimes it works out sometimes it doesn't but it's a very effective way to get on those elk you know, that's solid advice. I don't think I've ever heard anybody. I've heard people say follow the tracks, but just the fact that those tracks will eventually lead to an elk laying down is pretty solid. So have you ever had any luck um, calling to elk like earlier in the season? You know, have you uh, been able to get it? You know, usually people are not thinking too much about that because they're trying to get bulls during that time. But um, you've ever had any luck with calls? Calling during what time of season? Uh, early season, you know, like September, you know, this upcoming week through like the 10th sometime in there, maybe even the 10th on any luck calling the, the cows. Uh, yeah. Um, there's been times where you can get in there and you start bugling and bugling and nothing's happening. And all of a sudden an elk will run in and it's a cow or yeah. you're set up in these draws and nothing's happening and you'll start cow calling and all of a sudden one will show up, uh-huh. um, to actually efficiently call cows in. I can do it purposely. That is very mm-hmm. tough. Okay. Um, usually, if you hear one, they're talking back to you or with you. But you will hear them talk together, and you'll you'll be able to move in on them sometimes. Mm-hmm. But to actually kill one, I think your best bet would be sitting over a water, a wallow, or somewhere they travel every day. Okay, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. All right. Cool. Well, thanks for those tips. Um, you know, looking at, at eight bulls and 16 cows, uh, what's your, what's been like the, the biggest bull that you've, you've been able to, to harvest? How, how did that all go down? Um, there was a, I moved to Montana for 
what was it, six years, got married. And uh, I was working at a coal mine and I got laid off. Well, that same year I drew a, uh, a uh, special units permit in Montana. And it's the same unit that Randy Newberg would fly into on oh. his uh, shows. So, but <laughs> well, I was must be, it must be a good spot then, right? Yeah, <laughs> I was hunting the stuff you couldn't fly into. Yeah. So that whole season I shed hunted out there and, and learned everything about that place. I could draw you a map around every fence line. Um, I spent all that time out there doing that. And then when it came time to hunt, I went out there opening day. Um, and, uh, apparently I had a, uh, problem with thinking the regulations were right because I couldn't hardly see it and it was like legal shooting light. And I was like, you can't be right. So I didn't, I passed on a little 300 incher bull and he hopped the fence, went on the private. And then a little bit after that, I ended up jumping another bull. Like, was this four days later? I walked 20 yards up right behind him and he was sitting there bedded and I couldn't tell what was on his head until he jumped up and took off. And so I'd already blown that. And then on this night in particular, I drove up in this spot thinking I wasn't going to get an elk this year. This was it. This was over. I'd already moved back to Colorado at this point. Um, so I, I was driving back up there to hunt and this was the second trip. Hmm. And, uh, so when I got to this spot this day, I was convinced that I was okay with not getting it out this year. And for whatever reason, I started going down in the spot. I'd kind of been there before I found a big elk shed there uh, a couple of years back. And I was like, well, maybe, maybe I'll just go down here. Maybe I'll find the other side, you know? Um, so I get halfway down there and I'm not seeing any elk tracks. I ain't even seeing scuffs in the dirt i ain't seen nothing and i was turned around and left and then all of a sudden i was like oh well i better just you know stick it out i'm already here i get to the bottom and i'm looking around and kind of walking and then all of a sudden i see this whitetail buck and i'm like oh sweet maybe i found a sweet whitetail spot you can hunt and i was trying to get video of him he had an antler that grew out sideways instead of being straight up and down it grew out straight to the side so, if, I mean, if you would have had a tape measure on him, I mean, he probably would have been 30 inches wide. <laughs> but uh, I followed him up the trail for a little bit, and I was trying to video him, video him, and I kind of lost him. And uh, I looked across this little creek, and I'd seen an elk rub, and I was like, oh, I guess I'll go check out this elk rub. Looks pretty big, kind of fresh looking. And I get over there. It's probably two weeks old, three weeks old. And granted, this is like... I think it was November 16th at this point. So for an elk to be sitting there rubbing a tree, this yeah, late, late. Game, he's probably living here. And it didn't really dawn on me. I put my hat on. It was getting cold. And I looked at my GPS and I was like, well, I got three miles back to the truck. And I got an hour left of daylight. So I was just going to turn around and leave. And start working my way out of there. And uh, for some odd reason, I crossed the creek in the wrong spot. Or in a different spot. Not the wrong spot. It was the right spot. Let me tell you what. It was the right spot. But I looked down in the creek and there was an elk track in the creek. And 
I kind of stepped in the creek right with it and mine, you could see the water, how it ran across mine. And I was like, well, he hadn't been here but 15 minutes ago. That's what I figured. And so I just started following these little scuffs in the pine needles up till I hit this trail. And it had been about 20 minutes and I almost about to top over onto this flat bench. And I pulled my GPS out and I was like, dang it. It's getting close time, you know, turn around or I'm going to be walking out here completely in the dark the whole way. And uh, I was like, all right, I'll just make it up on this bench. No, I literally took two more steps and see this elk rack turn and look at me and take off. He's bedded less than 10 yards from me. And I sprinted up to the top. I dropped my GPS. Um, he's running to the left or to the right. And uh, he can't make it through the trees. His antlers wouldn't let him. So, uh, and I'm like, oh, sweet. I just blew it on another bull. This is awesome. So he's turning, he's going that way. And then all of a sudden he cuts right to the left. And I'm like, oh my God, I can shoot there. And I had this little opening. It was at a hundred yards. It was probably 12 inches, maybe eight inches. And I kind of swung forward a little bit with my rifle. And, uh, I was like, right when I see him go in there, I'll pull the trigger. Boom. I shoot. He kind of runs off stops just stand there nothing happened i'm like oh great i missed so i go and i shoot again hit him right in the shoulder again and uh same thing just stood there and i'm like what am i doing i'm missing i i don't know what's going on and then he starts taking like two more steps and then his shoulder flops up on that side and i'm like oh sweet i hit him <laughs> um i'm hitting low i from how it kind of flopped up it looked like i was hitting real low and i was like oh great that private property is uh coming up awfully quick in the next you know quarter miles what is that 600 yards 400 yards and so i'm running and running i'm sprinting as fast as i can to get over to where i see him again and he stopped and i pulled the trigger and all i had was like the back of his neck that i could see and the top of his butt so i was like all right well that private property is coming quick i gotta put him down so i aimed right for the top of his backbone right on his butt to kind of break him so he just stopped and uh, when i did that i ended up shooting him right through the ear oh <laughs> which is funny <laughs> so he has a hole in his ear and then he comes up i shoot him again and uh, now i got three bullets right in his right in the kills and right in the heart and he's he tough triangle right there and he just runs right off and he just kept going and finally he got to the spot where i could see about you know, 200 yards up the hill. And I, uh, I can't see him, but I can hear him. And there's the, this little drainage dip or a little drainage creek on the side of the hill. And, uh, he's in it. I'm like, well, right when he walks out, I'll uh, be able to shoot him again. He doesn't walk out. I'm like, what's going on? There was a bunch of down trees laid across it. A bunch of, you know, like aspens sized trees, six inches. They're all dead. And there's a bunch of blade across there and he ends it up or ended up plowing right down through the bottom of that. And it looked like a wave when all those trees were popping up one after the other pop, 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 as they were just flying up. And so I run over there. I had to go through one little dip, come up the other side and I shoot him again. And this time it's at a super steep angle. So I shot right at the into his backbone, into the heart lung area. And I'm sitting there. I don't have any more bullets on me. I've already shot, what, six times? And uh, 
I'm sitting there and I'm about to vomit. I've already ran so hard and I can't hardly breathe. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh God. And then he stands up again. No joke. Stood up again. And I'm like, are you kidding me? So I'm ripping my backpack off, trying to grab another bullet. I shoot him one more time. And uh, he's finally done. So this is seven shots later, six of them in him. That is a tough bull, man. Mm-hmm. And uh, at that point, I, I had no clue what I killed. I was like, oh, my God, finally. Like, I've, I've shot at a lot of six-point bulls. I've missed them. I had a ranch steal one from me when I lived up there. Hmm. And it was a nice bull. It was a 380 bull. And uh, I finally didn't screw up on this one. He's laying right in front of me. <laughs> this one is mine. And I'm like, finally. And I get over there, and these brow tines are the size of my wrists almost. I mean, the thirds coming up are 28 inches. And they're the size of, uh, I guess, if you looked at a, a beer bottle at the bottom. Mm-hmm. they're that or bigger and i'm like oh my god look at this guy and uh it turns out after he officially had him scored he was 411 and uh five eights or seven eights i can't quite remember and then it was uh he ended up net scoring 405 and six eights Holy which put him <clears throat> number five bull ever killed in the state of montana wow Wow. That yeah. is incredible, man. Like, <laughs> and it took, I mean, you had to work to get that guy seven shots to put him down. I can't even fathom a bull that big. That is incredible. Yeah, it was, it was nuts. I carried the rack out that night. I had left a lot of stuff sitting there and carried the rack out that night with my glasses, my pistol, everything sitting there. So if anybody had any question, I wasn't coming back to the meet. I had a pretty good reason. Yeah. But I was not leaving that set of antlers in the woods. Right. I was not. Somebody would, I mean, if somebody was to take that, that was kind of a big deal. But I carried it out on my shoulders. I didn't cape it. The cape was all messed up on the side. So I was going to use the cape to mount him. Mm-hmm. But uh, my I had bruises on both shoulders from carrying that rack out that night. <laughs> like, it's complete a... bruises. It was yeah. bad. <laughs> Man, that that's awesome. And I, I, you know, just to have that experience and to be able to do that, you know, and going into a spot too that you didn't think that you were going to have much luck as you initially went in. So probably mm-hmm. several lessons guys can learn from that story. You know, you never know. Go in and give it your best shot and get, well, give it your best seven shots and you never know what will happen. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's awesome, Brandon. You know, uh, I kind of I heard you mention something about the rancher stealing. You know, I know in probably all these years that you've been hunting, you've probably had some sometimes where it didn't go like that, where you didn't get the bull or something something happened. You have any stories, um, you know, where things just kind of went sideways on you? Sideways. Well, this one with that ranch stealing that bull from us or from me, I had shot it the night before on this piece of state property with my bow it was a longer shot uh 75 yards a perfect double lung looked like a double lung hit and uh he runs off and uh this was the best blood trail i've ever followed the next day me and my wife went and looked um for him the next day and uh he crossed under the private property so we had to go get permission to go on there um when we get over there 
we're looking and we come to these spots where there's piles of blood and then something looked a little iffy and then there was tracks in the road and there was some blood on the road like a smear and uh we lost blood on this elk and this was the best this looked like someone took a spray paint can and just went up that hill in the grass for 500 yards mm -hmm. i mean you could you could have glassed this blood trail up and I'm like, how come we can't find it? I spent eight hours that day looking for it. And uh, my wife worked at this bar or a restaurant bar. And uh, one of the ladies that worked there, her husband was a ranch hand out there that worked at the ranch. So we ended up getting a phone call from her one night saying, oh, they found your bull. It's on ice. You need to come get it. So we called uh rancher up and uh he's like no there's no bull here okay turns out they had uh drugged the bull down to their shop that same day and uh had it in their shop they knew full well and they're like well if you need help finding it finding it and i was like yeah uh, i think we got it they knew full well what they did and then yeah. after we talked to him, he's like, oh, yeah, you can come back out and look for it. Turns out, like, what was it, in the middle of January or February, um, maybe it was right at the end of hunting season. So maybe it was right before December. The guy, the ranch hand guy that actually worked there shows up with the bull in the back of his truck to the place. And he's like, oh, yeah, well, they just gave me this. Yeah, they found it. And uh, they had hmm. smeared mud all over it made, to make it look like it was, um, it had been, you know, dead for a while. Right. Yeah. That was just uh, not a good deal. Uh, that's frustrating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's a challenge out there. I mean, that's why guys like to use Onyx and use those things so they know where the property lines are. But you can never, you know, like your, your big bull there, you can never determine where they're going to end up. And so I, I'm sure that you run into all kinds of, issues with that you know sometimes mm -hmm. so, yeah that is true well i want to yeah. talk a little bit um you kind of looking at uh part of the reason i, I thought about having you on the, sh the show is, is some of your calling um the way that you've learned how to call and things like that um what's what would be a tip for you for guys that are just kind of starting out and trying to learn how to call and, and things like that you know, it's a challenge if you've never done it, you know, so what, what would, where would you say to begin? Um, go on YouTube and start looking up videos. And, mm -hmm. uh, after you can kind of make the noises and kind of bugle, uh, go on to YouTube and click on say Rocky mountain national park elk bugling. And, uh, it's like 20 minutes of just elk screaming their heads off and listening to cows and other stuff like that. And then just try to mimic what they're doing. Different uh -huh. sounds. Like how they scream right away, how the bugle's not perfect, how everything, and you'll get used to just using your read. Yeah. That's um, really good. I, it was funny that you mentioned that very video because I think I know what you're talking about because I just, my buddy and I yesterday were kind of talking a little bit about lip balls. 
and where the you know there's a buzz kind of in the middle or at the beginning or whatever and so we were kind of debating that a little bit and i pulled up that video and it was from rocky mountain elk and it had uh, like 20 minutes of bulls and i was like man it's it's hard to say that this is just like the one noise that they make they make so many different variety of sounds you know Mm -hmm. yeah and for someone who calls i've called in more elk with a primos pack bugle like the original it was one. It was the first bugle tube, or the second bugle tube I I had ever purchased, and I still mm-hmm. have it. And I've called in more elk with that than I have with any other bugle tube, anything. And it's doesn't sound that great, but it works. Hmm. Well, walk us walk us through just a little bit of that if you don't mind. Uh, let's say it's you know mid September. Bulls are starting to get hot. Um, What's what's your go-to, you know, do you have a go-to strategy? I mean, what's what's your plan whenever you're trying to find these elk and get on them and then get them to come to you through calling? Um, <clears throat> a lot of time, what I notice is uh, bulls in between, like, the 1st of September to the 10th are the easiest to call in, especially on public land. And the reason being is they're not, they haven't been called by as many hunters yet. Mm-hmm. And so, and they're more susceptible to calls at that point. Um, they're all looking, they're looking to fight. A lot of the bigger bulls are looking to fight and prove dominance. So you can get in there and you can really work them. Um, actually try and get them to come. For the most part with elk in Colorado now, they're getting very hard to call. They don't just come running. Mm-hmm. towards elk calls anymore if i'm in there and i got an elk to respond and there's another one or he sounds like he has cows i will try to stay away from him and figure out where he's going once he stops i will try to make it a meeting point before that to where we kind of merge together maybe two ridges merge together and he's easier to call there he's heard me all morning and that's where he'll end up staying that afternoon. You put enough pressure on him, you can get him to come once you break that trust. If he doesn't think you're a real elk, you won't break that trust with him. It's kind of weird. Mm. No, um, it makes sense. But once you're there, and even if you left him alone all day, and you're on the other ridge, and you're bugling at him, and he's bugling at you, and then later that night, as he gets up and you kind of merge with him and he's heard you all day, he's going to think a little bit different than just having some guy walk in there and bugle once and go straight at him. Right. Um, a lot of things that we do now is on just building elk confidence, I guess you could say, is me and my brothers will spread out and herd call, which is bugle back and forth, break stuff, run around. And we've actually had bulls that wouldn't talk to us, didn't want nothing to do with us. We worked them up for they were so excited they actually came. Hmm. And, That's cool. Uh, a lot of times if they start getting close and they're acting like they're coming, one guy will shut up and we'll start moving away. And he'll sit down there with cow calls just right down wherever the elk might be coming. And he's thinking, oh, yeah, these bulls just left these five cows here. Hmm. Is a kind of a great strategy. Yeah, and I haven't heard that. That's a good one. And as we're bugling back and forth, um, he'll still talk to us as well as he's getting there. 
So you always have like a location on where he's coming or where he's at. Um, that's always been a good one. Yeah, no, that's solid. Um, Brandon, you know, if guys want to, I've, you know, like I've watched a lot of your videos and I would recommend elk addicts to anybody. It's an online Facebook forum and Brandon uh, Monday is on there. And every once in a while he posts, I think you've done uh, like three or four videos. I've watched all of them about how to do, and it's just unique things that like tips that you give that I'm not hearing anybody else give these tips. Like I've, I've listened to a lot of guys and you're giving some really unique uh, things. I mean, just simple advice on how to do things, making uh, certain sounds. And so, um, you know, that's, I really appreciate that. So is there any other place, are you posting on YouTube? Are you on Instagram? Any place else where if guys just want to watch some of those videos, they can find them? I haven't posted any of those. We do have a YouTube account um, called uh, Monday's Hunting. Oh, okay. Cool. And on Instagram, there are videos on there. There's a couple elk hunts, a couple deer hunts. Hopefully we'll be posting more on them. Uh, I think I just posted a, a shed hunt, I don't know, three weeks ago on there. Okay. And then also Monday's hunting uh, on Instagram. Monday's hunting. Okay. Mm -hmm. I, I just found you. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, you got another follower now. <laughs> and hopefully a awesome. few more. So, guys, go check that out. Uh, what's your uh, so give us a quick rundown? What's what's your game plan? Are you um, do you typically start? I mean, I know season for Colorado is like what this weekend. So are you um, jumping right in, or do you kind of wait closer to like the rut ramps up? What's your what's your plans this year? Um, no, I'm going out tomorrow morning. I uh, went and set up trail camera on a wallow that gets used quite often, and uh, this year I was planning on sitting that wallow all day. All right. Uh huh. Um. A lot of people don't know this, and I shouldn't even tell anybody this, but you know how you make, or you know how you've seen where elk show up at this wallow for some odd reason, and they, they used the other one last year. Yeah. And then they don't use that one for a couple of years, and then they use the same one. And then for whatever reason, at these wallows, I go in and make mock scrapes, almost like you do for a whitetail. We go in there and we uh, spray it all down with scent, with cow and heat. So mm. before the season starts, and we'll run, um, we'll take trails coming into that spot. And guaranteed, within two days, there will be six to seven elk bulls in that wallow. Wow, that is a cool strategy. That is really interesting. And ah. uh, yeah, it works. Um we actually stopped doing it on some of the wallows that were easier to get to that you can actually see that people, you know, when they walk through there, you can see them. We'd stop doing it there and they stopped using it. Hmm. And uh, I'm curious this year, I almost wanted to start spraying it and, you know, kind of rip it up a little bit and make it look like a wallow again and see if that actually, they actually start using it again. Cause that would be, a, you know, I guess a proven theory. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Well, I mean, by the time this podcast airs here next next week, I'm recording this on the 30th, uh, we will know, you know, if we go to your Instagram, we should know if that at least worked this weekend, right? Yeah. <laughs> we'll look back, and if you got an elk on the ground, like, hey, that's a solid strategy, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome, man. Well, uh, Brandon, I really appreciate you coming on. I know we could uh, probably come back sometime and hit some of those other stories. You've had a lot of experience, and uh, I just appreciate you posting those those videos on calling. It's helped me out a lot, and uh, thanks for coming on and sharing all that. Uh, yeah, no problem. 
Really enjoyed sitting down talking to Brandon. He had some great stories, great tips. Uh, after we uh, stopped recording, he gave me some extra advice, and I talked to him a little bit about my plan and all that. And that's whenever he sent that meme and told me about that, and I thought that that was awesome, uh, that, that what I shared with you at the beginning. And it reminds me of Matthew 6.34. Just want to share this with you real quick, and we'll wrap up. It says, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Uh, Jesus is constantly telling people, this is coming from Jesus, hey, don't worry about tomorrow. You know, I don't think that means that we don't plan for tomorrow or that we don't think about it or whatever. But he's going to go on to say, you know, God's got this. He's got it. He's got your food. He's got your shelter. He's got what you need. And what are you going to gain by worrying? And it's so easy to say just don't. But I think that means that we need to spend some time in prayer, spend some time thinking about what really matters, and learning to enjoy the moment that we've been given. Because we're not guaranteed a tomorrow. Um, Some people spend so much time worrying about stuff that never actually happens. (laughs) And so maybe we just need to focus on the moment that we've been given and and make the most of that. So that's my plan. Uh, I'm going to get off here and go spend some time with my family tonight, do my job the next four days, and... um, just enjoy all of that. And then on Sunday, I'm going to enjoy that moment as we set up for our trip. So thank you guys so much for listening. I really appreciate that. Uh, and want to encourage you to, as always, remember to shed the light. <laughs>